I'm Jen Ponton. I'm Lillian Bustle. And this is All the Fucks. All the Fucks. Podcast where, what? What, what, what is it today? <laughs> um, it is when your soul feels like it has been up all night and has drunk too many Red Bulls and might, <laughs> and might be, um, your, your heart is maybe Facebook stalking an ex-boyfriend. Oh, absolutely. Ex-best friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who broke up with you via football mode? Yeah, and your eyes are all bloodshot, and you know you should just drink through glasses of water and go to bed. But you're so shaky that you have to finish the assignment. You have to. I'm a completionist. Like you I can't. are. The couple people who I have not been able to fully stalk is very upsetting to me. Do you want to tell the people who we have here? I sure do. This is super exciting. Not only is this the first time that Lillian and I have recorded together since. Uh, March 2020, mm-hmm. but also we have a very, very special guest with us, star of 2007's Hairspray film, star of ABC Family's huge and incredibly talented, dynamic, queer actress, Nikki Blonsky. Wait, wait, wait. Hi. Hello. Thank you for that intro. We are so flipping excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. I'm so honored to be your first guest back, you know, you guys together since the whole uh, thing. It feels great. We've been doing multi-Zoom recordings. We have. And every time something, every time I'm sure I know how to do it. And then it's like, beep, boop, bop, meltdown. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Something goes wrong. And there's always a new update. I'm like, can you stop with the updates for the love? No more updates, please. Yes, that should be an opt-in situation. Yeah. Yeah. Not a surprise. Nothing works until you fix this situation. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's like Apple gives you an ultimatum. You want the phone to work? Yeah. (laughs) There's your option. How bad do you want it? I guess we'll find out. (laughs) How bad do you want to get on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. They're willing to ice you out to find out. They're they're gonna call your bluff every time. For real. Don't trust them. Uh Nikki, I just wanted to mention that I actually saw you live at Feinstein's when you did your cabaret there. Oh my gosh. Absolute joy. I I used to have friends that got me in. Obviously, I know how to buy tickets to things and I do and I go places, but I used to have friends who got me into all kinds of amazing things that I like I didn't used to go to cabaret oh, I think places all and supper clubby type places. Um, and I, they were like, I have a treat for you. And I was like, you are correct. And you were amazing. You Thank were so you. fabulous. I remembered afterwards and I don't remember now, but I wrote down a couple of the songs that you sang because like I need to audition songs. Oh, and these hell are so good. yeah. <laughs> what was the theme yeah. of the show? So the, the show is called Coming Home because I had been on this like, making hairspray then hairspray came out then a 10-month world tour back and forth and it was insane so I called it coming home because I felt like I was truly coming home but also the music was also music that reminded me of home stuff that I had grown up with um starting with I mean of course of course, I gave the people their hairspray fix and did Good Morning Baltimore, opened with it, you know. Um, but then I really went into the music that meant something to me growing up. You know, Patsy Cline's Crazy. That was like the first song that I was ever introduced to by my grandmother. And, 
you know, having song, doing songs like that, songs by Dream a Little Dream of Me by Mama Cass, who just has inspired me in my entire career. Um, Melissa Etheridge. um, I mean, it was quite, it was quite, you know, a, a variance of artists in there. I mean, there was some Cher, there was Bonnie Raitt, there was Linda Etter, but then I also switched it up and I wanted to make sure that I paid homage to my high school shows. And I did By the Sea from Sweeney Todd and yes. Carmen. I did The Habanera. So, you know, that was that was a lot of fun. Performing live for me has always been something that is extremely fun because you can interact with the audience and you get to, you know, people will say something, you know, under their breath and, oh, I have good hearing. Huh? So, you know, I, <laughs> you know, and, you know, those fun conversations with the audience starts and, you know, so I, I definitely miss that about performing live, but um, Feinstein's was, was a really, really good time. Oh, that's so and great. it was my home. It was New York. So it kind of felt like, an extra special accomplishment. Like I just, I sang in a cabaret room in New York city. That's yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Those places are full of electricity. Yeah. Uh, um, Where on Long Island are you from? I'm originally from a town called Great Neck. Oh, I know Um, that is. Yeah. yeah, Great Neck is an awesome, fun town. Sarah Hughes, the Olympic gold medalist, also from Great Neck. Woo-woo, uh, repping. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's amazing. Um, just, it's a great town. Our, the Great Gatsby is set there. That's where it's all F. Scott Fitzgerald, the Great Gatsby. Yeah. It was written um, about the house in Great Neck. It's in my hometown, the real Gatsby estate. Nice. So it's it's kind of cool. It's a, it's a it's a fun little historical, interesting town, and I love it. And it's been my home, and it'll always be my home, even though, you know, I move like a gypsy, trams and fears. Everything's a share song in my mind. <laughs> That's um, a fair lens with which to view the world, for sure. Yes. Have you continued doing those uh, cabarets that you were doing downtown? When we spoke? I continue so I continue to do them um on some gay cruises that was a lot of fun I took them on uh on the cruises and those were a blast unfortunately as I was just getting ready to revamp my show and really get it going again COVID kind of kicked in so as soon as uh the world picks up whenever that is at this point um I would really love to go back to singing live and doing you know more cabaret shows but expanding it and different music and adding music and taking music out and making it a whole new show I want to I want to quickly I want to quickly touch on the the present before we talk to you about like uh all of the all of the rooms of your heart if through adolescence and beyond um but I do want to know about the indie that you just shot and whatever you want to talk about with it and I also would love for you to tell me as much as you're comfortable telling me about the projects that you're writing and like what you're working on so uh, that's the reason my hair is blonde right now, um, is, and it's, it's, the roots are coming in like you wouldn't believe, um, and I cannot wait to get it 
died back to my natural color. <laughs> I it. Um, but yeah, it was died for role. I just finished a movie. Um, I can't say the name of it yet, but it was a movie like I have never done. It was really? drama and it was action and it was. I was driving at one point. Oh <laughs> yeah, you were. No, I don't drive. <laughs> you know. Um, so it was. Um, it was intense. We had to, a lot of stunt work. A lot of stunt work. I mean, to the point where like one wrong move and. Um, so yeah, it was. It was really intense. Very intense story. True story. And yeah, I cannot wait. I've been seeing stills and and trailers and I am just like, oh my gosh, I'm just so excited that I got to play this kind of character. That's awesome. And they're keeping everything under wraps, right? The cast, the team. So much. They're keeping the the cast. um, I will tell you my co-star in it, Aubrey Joseph, um, from Cloak, I believe it was Cloak and Dagger on ABC Family. He is absolutely brilliant and he leads the film and he, it's, yeah, it's incredible, so. Rad, I'm so glad you had a good time and that you didn't die. <laughs> yes, Hooray. I'm so glad I didn't die either and that I did not crash the car. <laughs> <laughs> That's marvelous. And you were telling me when I got to talk with you on Nikki Nights, which by the way is Nikki's podcast. It's adorable, super sweet. She talks to people from all walks of entertainment, of queerness, um, and, and she leads it beautifully. So it's mostly just like hanging out in Marie's crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, there's a story. I think, you know, when I started my podcast, I wanted guests that, you know, really have a story to tell that could reach people from all different walks of life. You know, everybody has a dream. Everybody has a goal or something they want to attain. So for me, I didn't just want to have a bunch of bunch of musical theater people on. I wanted to have sports figures. I wanted to have Olympians. I wanted to have, and I was fortunate enough to be able to sit down with like Scott Hamilton and Ryan Russell and like talk about sports that, you know, Ryan Russell was talking about football and I was like, there's so much I need to learn. <laughs> oh. um, but what I found so interesting, what he shared was his coming out story and being the first out player in the NFL. So, wow. I mean, there's every guest uh, that I've had on my podcast has been so incredibly open, including yourself and sharing um, just their journey. And I think when you share your journey, you know, you can make people out there feel a little less alone if they hear that somebody else is going through something or it's similar to their story or what have you. Yeah. I feel like, uh, and obviously it's been huge in my life to be able to see things like that and to hear people's stories and and, uh, from everything from like, I come from a hoarding family. um, And when I discovered that it wasn't just my family, (laughs) because when I was growing up, we didn't have a TV show about it. Right. Um, And then I found other people who were children of hoarders and like being able to compare notes and things like that. But, but even that there, there are so many things out there that people think are, they're the only person who's ever gone through it forever. Right. And like very little of ourselves is unique. Like not to, 
<laughs> not to unspecial anybody. Not to unspecial. <laughs> We're all very right. special. But but when you but it's so easy to feel alone and in and so and like a million different things. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. We're all fighting probably more similar battles than we know. You know, um, it's just the way that we express them that maybe it comes out differently. You know what I mean? The way we express what we're going through. So, you know, somebody who's going through something may, one person's response to going through something is screaming at the top of their lungs. Somebody else's response is like me, I'm, I'm more introverted. I, you know, kind of keep everything in a little bit. Um, so, you know, it's really just situational and, you know, I think one thing that one thing I think that people have really tended to harp on is like the whole, like when you come out, like you're, you know, you're like, there's an age time and now like you have to be yourself and you have to be authentic and there's no age to there's no age too high or too low to have a dream, to have a goal, to come out, to be who you are. You are who you are from the day you're born. So just keep being who you are. Yeah. It's beautiful whenever it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There is, I, I, uh, I am 42 and I have, I'm, I don't feel like I midlife crisis very hard. 40 was okay for some reason, but then like later on in the year and then 41 was COVID. Um, I, I was like, oh, uh oh, like, and it's easy to get caught in this pattern of like, like what, what have I even accomplished? And if I say that out loud to one of my friends, they will laugh at me. They're like, Truly. are you kidding me? <laughs> All of the things that you've done. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but I think, I think is we're all like trying to remember how to relate to people again. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It's, 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 it's absolutely incredible. Uh, and it's hard to just like lower your mask and, and it's, it's almost like putting down a shield, a layer that we've now had up that's been kind of like protecting us in a weird way, not just from a virus, from like, maybe conversations we don't want to have or you know a lot of those a lot of those you know so it's it's definitely it's been a tough time but it's also been you know so much so much time to do some self-reflection work and you know it's like you find out I think it's also you find out so much for me I found out what I really want and what I don't want and what I will stand for and what I won't stand mm-hmm. for. Ooh, mm-hmm. yes. And that for me was a big thing because I'm not very good at boundaries. I'm real. I just want to let everybody in and show everybody love and, you know, you know, but, but I've learned in this quarantine, it's, it's showed me a lot. And you learned, like I said, about yourself. And I learned that there are just some things that maybe I accepted before, but I'm not going to stand for now because I've done a ton of work on myself to make myself a better human. And, you know, well, in this, if you're in not going to put in the work, 
you know, even just as, you know, just any, any relationship in your life, friendship, whatever it is, you just always want people to be reciprocating that type of like, yeah, we're in this together, Mm -hmm. like you're a team. Yeah. Right. I I think that's been tough for people during COVID feeling that team, feeling that bond. Oh yeah. But you have such an excellent point that like, getting a little distance from it and realizing uh, relationships where you don't necessarily have that real good give and take. It's, it's very revealing. Did you want to say something? In the spirit of the podcast and in, in storytelling and things like that. And I know that this is jumping into the deep end for sure. So if you'd rather warm up (laughs) with something else, that's okay too. But I wondered if there was a turning point moment that you can remember where, where it was a boundary situation. I was just, gonna. I like, I like sliding doors moments and things like that. Something where you were like, where you were like either something, a time where you did not have those boundaries up and realized it too late or where you were like, Oh, this is the time. This is a self-care act. This is, this is who I am. And this is where our relationship is. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say I really started to stand up for myself. Uh, when I left my ex-fiance. Right on. That was, um, I mean, that was years ago. That was pre-COVID, but who needs a pandemic when you have, when you're living with a pandemic? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so I think for me, that was, that was my turning point in my life where I said, no, I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to be unhappy every day. I'm not going to be told certain things about my weight. I'm not going to be told certain things about how you think that you want something done. Do it yourself. You're a grown adult, you know? Um, You know, and I, I was also told not to act anymore. That's like telling me not to breathe. So take a hike. And when you when he told me that he didn't want me to act anymore, that's when I absolutely said that mixed with, and not to put it, make it sound lightly mixed with abuse that was going on in the relationship. I said to myself, no, I have seen my parents happily married for 33 years. There's nothing they wouldn't do for each other. They love each other. There's, there's just endless, love there. And I was like, you know what? I deserve to go out and find somebody who's going to treat me like my dad treats my mom. And that's, that was the turning point for me. I was like, I do not, I'm not going to sit in this house for another 30, 40 years and be miserable. When I spent a, a good few years of my life doing everything in my power to make people around the world smile. So yeah. I was like, I'm not going to be miserable forever. It's just not going to happen because, and that's when it clicked. I deserve to be happy too. And when I took that ring off and I left and that was that, and it was the best decision I ever made in my life. So. Oh yes. I'm freaking amazing. I've yeah. never really talked about it before openly. Um, so vulnerable (laughs) way to go thank you know I know that I'm amongst a friend here so um you know you just have to make those decisions for yourself even if it seems like it's the right thing you're engaged you're doing this no it doesn't matter if it's the right thing according to society you have to do the right thing according to you 
Mm -hmm. You're not living society's life. You're living your life. Especially when you're lucky enough to have a great example of, of romantic love with parents, you know, it really like it could go anyway. And I would say for most people, they either just get by or they straight up hate each other. And to come from parents who just legitimately adore each other and it's not out of obligation or duty, it's just because they do like, that's a gift. And you want to take that and run with it. And, and I realize how incredibly blessed I am because I know that is not the norm or, or not even, uh, you know, a, unfortunately, you know, it's not every household. And, but my grandparents, even before that were married, I think almost 55 years when my grandfather oh. passed. So it had been something that I had seen my entire life. Yeah. And I just was like, wait a second. I'm a good, I'm, I'm, you know, mom and nanny raised me, my grandma, my mom, my grand, my, obviously my father, my grandpa too. But I was like, but nanny and mom raised me to be a strong woman. And like, they get treated with such respect and love. And I was like, wait a second. No, 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 I'm, I'm just a good a woman as nanny and mom. I deserve to be treated as just a good a woman as nanny and mom. Hell Yes. And he was nowhere near my father or grandfather. Mm, Right. You know, like the, yeah, please, let's comparing, forget it. So I knew I was never going to get that love there. So carry on my wayward son. (laughs) (laughs) And how, and like for your boundaries to crop up right at the, like in the most important way, like that's the boss level, right? (laughs) Your first level was the boss level. So how has that trickled down for you in like the decisions that you make every day and in relationships that are, let's say like less um, centralized, but where you get to basically do boundary practice in prioritizing yourself? You know, I always want to put other people first. I always want to make sure their needs are met and, and you know, everything is right on their end. But at the same time, I've carried that into like, wait a second. Okay, this is your day. This is like prioritizing my day, prioritizing what's important to me during the day. Um, what gets me through the day? And, you know, the people I choose to have in my life. And, but for me, it's always been my career is number one, you know, that's my baby. Um, And so I think as long as for me, as long as those, that list of priorities is career, family, you know, friends and everything then I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a minimalist when it comes to life. I don't really need much. I, you know, I prefer like just simple chill living and um, yeah, as long as I have those three things and water and the occasional, like, you know, you know, throw yo, I'm fine. (laughs) Yes. Valid. (laughs) <laughs> soft serve ice cream water <laughs> family and friends that's a great list and a career other than and that a career. <laughs> yes other than that, i don't ask for much right 
and you got and you started so young so like that it really it's a part of your life in a way that is it is not quite the case for so many because like you've been in it since you were a teenager that's what's so wild to me we just celebrated on the 20th of uh july it was our 14th anniversary that the movie had come out uh, which means that it has been 15 years since we started rehearsing and i was like oh my god like <laughs> if i was a teen mom i could have a teenager right now like, right? Yeah. like that's a lot of time that's a lot um, of time. <laughs> and it was just i just honestly i cried i sat here and i cried for like at least 15 minutes and i just i just said my prayers and i just thanked god for the blessing that hairspray has been because it really you know as wild of a ride as it's been and it hasn't been easy at all turns and i've had tough stuff in the media and you know you name it i've gone through it but nothing nothing compares to the joy and love that that movie has brought my life. Um, and I'm not just talking about like, you know, the fun we had on set. I'm talking about the relationships that were cultivated and that are still very present in my life. And, you know, I never thought in a million years that these people would be a part of my life, but they are. And they're so supportive. And especially when I came out, just the support was just endless. And I mean, just some of the most special individuals I could have ever, ever dreamed of working with. You speak often about um, the very maternal relationship that you do have with John Travolta, which is so adorable. I love that. It's so sweet. <laughs> it's what I, we all know, hoped. You know, it's, I met John, obviously I was 17 when we started filming and I was so young and he, he knew that I was new to the business and he knew that I, you know, was so green and he just took me right under his wing and he made sure that I was, you know, looked out for and cared for and, you know, and that's what a mom does. But <laughs> he, he, as a friend, he went the extra mile. You know, there are certain people who are your friends. And then there are certain people who go the extra mile so that you know that they always have your back and that they love and support you. And John has always gone the extra 10 miles to let me know that I'm loved and that, you know, mm. we're we're, you know, quote, mother and daughter. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Um, You're his baby. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I adore him. I, there is nobody in Hollywood that I love more than him. Oh, that's very telling. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and I have to say, I have to say, I, I love that version of Hairspray for 900 reasons. You are 899 of them. And oh. 98. I have to say, Christopher Walken, the glee with which he performs that role. Because I, 
I know all he ever wants to do is dance. Like I've seen interviews with him where he's like, can we work in me dancing? And they're like, yeah, you're Christopher Walken. Do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) Well, see, that was the thing. You know, uh, him and John were having a conversation one day and they were talking about their experiences on Broadway. People forget that they both started on Broadway. They were dancers on Broadway. I mean, Christopher Walken, you know, you think, oh, Christopher Walken, you think Deer Hunter, this, that. No, he started on Broadway. It was he a- was dancing and hoofing and, you know, just moving his feet. And so he's been at this forever. And he is just, what a gifted actor, my God, um, to work with him so gentle so kind like the scene where I was sitting on his lap I went to get up and he was like no it's okay and he just like held me and I was like oh my god when when I say that I really felt like I have a second set of parents out there I really in a way I feel like I do because it's like I had these two people show me such love at such, it was also a very intense time. My grandmother had just passed. So it was like, I had these two people playing my parents, but who were showing me the same amount of love as my real parents. Yeah, I mean, you know, my real parents would be like, what do you mean we love you so much more? But like, (laughs) (laughs) we gave you the world. Um, But no, I mean, but they understand what I mean. When you know, when people you don't know are playing your parents, you know, you could just be coworkers and that could be it. They really, they really embraced me and, and showed me, oh, taught me a lot about the business that I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And just by watching them work, it was a lesson in itself. Yeah. yeah. I actually have a show mom. Um, when I first moved up to New York, I did a show with my friend, Marty. I did a show that my friend Randy wrote about her life, autobiographical. She cast me as herself and she cast Marty as, I guess, both of our moms. Um, and I'm still very close with both of them. But, I, you know, I was like, I was 21 when I moved up to New York and that I was a very young 21. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like straight out of high eyes. Oh my god! But I mean, twenty-one at New York. That's that's yeah, that's an age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I um, uh, I was so grateful that I felt like somebody was looking out for me because for the longest time I was like, no, this is it. I'm on my own. Yeah, because <laughs> my folks couldn't help me with money stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, and she had been acting for years and years and is a fantastic performer herself. I'm going to get to yeah. see her soon. She's coming up next month. Anyway, oh, sorry. No, I love that. <laughs> but it's so nice when, you know, pe- fellow people in the arts understand what, you know, they see it in an up-and-comer and they they see the struggle. They know the struggle and they're just there and they want to help. And, you know, she sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's... There are, you know, people are always like, oh, people, people. There are some really amazing people out there. Thank God. I know. <laughs> yeah, there Do you are. Like, and- had any other mentors? Absolutely. Um, I just, oh my gosh, okay. <sighs> I went to visit my other mentor the other day. He is at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, Mr. Mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds. Um, I worked with Burt. 
I worked with him uh, when I was 26, I believe, when I was going through all of the nonsense that I was going through with my ex-fiance. And uh, uh, we filmed a movie in Tennessee together and we just had the best time. Like it was instant. Um, somebody, Clark Duke, who's a very, very talented actor from Hot Tub Time Machine. He played my boyfriend in it and he told Bert that I was in Hairspray. So the first day we were on set and um, I hear, so I hear you sing. And I'm like, <gasps> and he was like, <laughs> sing me something. And it was Bert. And I was like, okay. And like, this is in front of the entire cast, the crew, lighting, <laughs> everybody, we're all set to go. And like, here I am, I'm just gonna sing a tune. And um, I think he thought I was gonna sing like something of my generation, like somebody, you know, Celine or, you know, or Madonna. And I said, well, I'm gonna sing my favorite singer in the entire world. I'm gonna sing you Patsy Cline. I'm gonna sing you crazy. And he looked at me and he said, Patsy was one of my best friends. And from that minute on, we were like this. We were bonded at the hip. Um, I would show up to trailer land, we, you know, as we call it, all our trailers together. And I'd hear, Nikki, Nikki. And he would call me in his trailer. And this is the kind of man he was. He was so giving. He would sit there and sign bandit memorabilia for the crew all day long, like, and just give it away, like the sweetest soul. And he shared more stories with me and just mentored me. And so, yeah, the other day I just... My roommate and I took a drive and I said, I need to go to go visit him and and say hi. And um, it was it was tough, um, but it was just so it's good to know that he's so close and I can go visit him whenever. But yeah, he was another huge mentor to me. Oh, what a beautiful experience to have with such a legend. Yeah. And then I have my mentor that I always talk about, Dr. Levy, who was my mentor growing up. Um, everything with singing, you know, the woman taught me the, the score of Carmen, note by note, word by word. I didn't speak a lick of French. So um, <laughs> she, so, you know, I've been very blessed to have people um, in my life that, you know, I feel like a lot of kids in today's generation are kind of like shooed away from the arts or, or not, you know, it's like, no, get a job and get these people did the opposite with me. They saw that I was really passionate about it and they pushed me towards it and they showed me that it's possible. And so, you know, there are awesome people out there that will support you. I love that. You talk about your family a ton. What is what is the cutest, most supportive thing that your family has done to like go real hard for you? Uh, especially professionally, but I guess in general. They've done they they've been pretty amazing. I will say, I will give this one to my dad. Um, my dad. <laughs> Oh, my dad. <laughs> he, 
And they asked me what I wanted for my 18th birthday on a set of hairspray. And I said, I want Rocky to come to Canada. I had a pug named Rocky at the time. He has now passed, but he lived, he literally just passed like two, the, uh, the day before two birthdays ago. So I had him for like a very long time. Like, yeah. So he lived, he lived a good life. So I said to my parents, I said, I want Rocky to come up and visit. And my mother's like, you're going to ask your father to put him in the carry on bag. And, and so it was a whole ordeal, but my father, and then, you know, my father was very against getting dogs in the beginning because he's like, Oh, the kids got attacked. They die. Guess who became his best friend? Rocky. Naturally. Yeah. He has Rocky in the bag on the plane. And the stewardess keeps saying, sir, you have to put him away. And he's like, he's my dog. You can't eat. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> my dad, typical New Yorker, he's like, okay, fine. And then, like, the minute she turned his back, you know, Rocky. Oh. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I'd say him bringing Rocky to the set of Harrisburg just because I know how much effort it took. I mean, they were there at every turn. Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I mean, I showed up Herald Square right there, right in front of me. Um, just, yeah, they've been there every the way. My mom, she was at my screen test with me. My mom was at every audition with me, outside waiting for me. I'm going to cry. Like, my mom has been there since the beginning. Like, every voice lesson everything like so you know um my parents it's special when you have parents that believe in you and that's why people always ask me like oh you you like believe in yourself and I'm like yeah because my parents believe in me you know so I think that's where it comes from that makes it much less of an uphill battle (laughs) that's gorgeous I mean not that we don't like you know yeah, we're sure. Family, we have our moments. You know, <laughs> we're not all sunshine and rainbows, but we we love way harder than we've ever argued. I love that. My mom believed in me, but she did things. She was like, "You're amazing. Why don't you get an agent?" And I would be like, <laughs> "I I feel I feel like there's some steps involved." <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, my mom will definitely say certain things like to me, you know, like sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, people just don't, they're like, well, just go do this. And you're like, um, but it, I, I kind of need X, Y, and Z to go do this. Um, you in me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That, occur- that never occurred to me, Diane. Thank you so much. <laughs> you know? Um, but you know, it is what it is. It's, you know, but we're lucky to have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fun. definitely. What is, um, what are some of your favorite, uh, like family traditions, like Ooh. stuff only the Blonsky clan does? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Favorite thing that we do. Um, so the night before Thanksgiving and the night before Christmas or so Christmas Eve, my mom and I will stay up preparing the stuffing for the turkey all night long because it's an eastern european recipe passed down from my great-grandmother from czechoslovakia so it's like a very like long 
And my mom and I will have like a glass of wine and we'll like sit together and we'll just like sit at the kitchen table and just like chop onions and cry about that and laugh about other things. <laughs> and, um, and we just have an amazing time together. We love to do that. And then we'll wake up, we'll go to bed at like 4 a.m., wake up at 6 a.m. to put the turkey in. Um, and then I'm crazy, even though I'm, even if I'm not in the parade, I have to watch it because it's just a tradition. I love the parade. I love the parade. I would bend over backwards to see it. Like people <laughs> right? will make fun of me a lot, but I love it. I'm, I'm, no, up, honestly, I'm up early and I'm making like, I'm making like baked cheese grits and like an egg strata and we have mimosas, like we do it. Mm. I love that. I mean, I will tell you, side note, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have some fun moments in my career, but I will tell you when they told me that I was performing at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, you would have sworn like that somebody told somebody that they just won like the lotto. Like I was like, wow, like scream. I was like, no way. Like I was so excited. Like I, I oh, couldn't, I was like, oh my gosh. And Corbin Blue was on the float in front of me. I was like, yes, yes. yes. I, I mean, cause I love him. And it was just, it was such a fun day, but um, other traditions are, I personally have my own tradition every new year's day. I have to watch the entire marathon of the honeymooners favorite television, te favorite television show like ever. Wow. Awesome. Oh my God. Would never have imagined. Love that. <laughs> Love me some Ralph and Alice. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I call my parents, Ralph and Alice. Oh, oh God, that's great. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, that, um, well, there's some cookie. My uncle, uh, whom we lost years ago, he was the big cookie guy. He would do all the cookies for everybody. So I've kind of taken over that tradition. I will sit for like a day or two and just bake like dozens of cookies um, for family and friends. Yeah, just and a lot of Christmas movies. Uh, I have just I have to watch the Santa Claus one, two, and three several times, <laughs> and my brother and I have to watch Jingle All the Way together. Oh my I love god! Jingle all the way. I love that. He's one. gonna be so embarrassed that I, like all of his friends that listen to it, they're gonna be like, "Bro, really? You still watch Jingle <laughs> All the Way with your thirty-two-year-old sister?" Uh, you know, if I may, have you ever seen The Ref? No. Uh, I mean, Kevin Spacey's in it, so do with that what you will. But For sure. I liked it before. Before. <laughs> yeah, before. Before is um, fine. Right. But yeah, it's uh, it is. It, there's a there's a kidnapping. There's, there's all kinds of. Is things. it a Christmas drama? It is. No, it's very much a slapstick comedy. Um, wow. And it is very very funny. Nice. It's called The Ref. I think Christine Baranski's in it, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah. Every Christmas movie. My mom and I, another tradition, Lifetime Christmas movies. Oh, my word. I mean, we will watch them over and over and over again. It, yeah. Oh, I, I want to make a recommendation to you, but I can't technically because Lillian's the one watching it. Can you officially recommend Schmigadoon? Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Yeah, what, what is this? I saw it came on my uh, television the other day and I was like, hmm. Also, <laughs> I think the person who wrote it also wrote Santa Claus too. Ew. So, 
tying it all together. What? Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so oh. Shmita Dune is um, uh, it is a send up of of like nineteen twenties to nineteen fifties musical comedy, like musical theater, oh. and it is it is. Incre- there are little things where you're like, oh my God, that's from Carousel. Oh my God, that's from Music Man. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and there are little things that are stolen. They must have a crack legal team because they <laughs> like they have they have taken as much as they can of certain songs and mushed them into new songs. It is it, it, and it's is the guy who wrote Get Out in it. Jordan? Uh, uh Keegan Michael Key is. Yes. Okay. So his okay. comedy partner. Yes, and um, adore. it's him and Cecily Strong as the main characters. But yes. then there's like, uh, I mean, Jane Krakowski still hasn't shown up yet, oh, but she's yes. in it somewhere. Um, Alan Cumming, Kristen Chenoweth, like just piles of talented people. It's, rah, I love it. I love it. I've watched every episode that's out twice already. So, oh, I yay. Get on I it. Recommend. I need to get on it. Uh, on Apple TV, right? Yep. They're the ones. Yeah, Apple that's TV. rad. That's right. The hard thing about Apple Plus is that you can't loan somebody your login because it's your Apple ID. Yeah, you can't share. We, my roommate and I have found that out the hard way. Mm, this is yeah. that same bullshit you were saying as soon as we got in. I was like, I am so, because like we try, well, like I'm like, oh, I'll buy the Real Housewives of, you know, Orange County. And she's like, oh, I just bought Beverly Hills and then we'll go to swap and we can't swap. And Oh. Ah, grotesque <laughs> truly grotesque i mean first 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 world issues really absolutely um what is so those are those are good christmas guilty pleasures what is your what is your og like guilty pleasure binge watcher outside of the holiday realm whether it's like a tv show a movie oh, i'm a huge food network junkie I will watch anything with Guy Fieri and Bobby Flay. Um, (laughs) I just, I love them. I think Guy Fieri is everything. So I really is. I mean, I watch Triple G like it's my job. (laughs) Um, Like I just can't stop. Now I have my mother hooked on it. She watches it nonstop. Um, It's so bad. My food network addiction at the minute I walk into a hotel, it could be any hotel anywhere the first thing I do is get the channel guide and put on the food network. So I feel at home. I mean, this is what it's nice. Um, Yeah. But I will say now currently current addiction um, is I'm back on the Hills. You guys, the Hills. hills. It came out while I was in college, so I didn't watch it, but it was, it's like, it's like sexy Californians. Oh yeah. I'm back hills. But it's Um, not One Tree Hill. That's something else. Also, that's that's sexy North Carolinans. Oh, okay. I loved One Tree Hill. Oh my gosh, definitely started. (laughs) But I that was my show in high school for sure. That and Willing Grace. But um, my favorite show, right? I mean, yeah, I'm also very big into the 90 Day Fiance, and then. Yeah, I'm recent. I am Single a recent life. adopter on that. Have you watched 90 Days the Other Way? No, I have not. So with the other, I... so 90 Day Fiance is people coming from other countries to here to to see if they can if they want to marry the person. You have 90 days. Oh, it's for on a green special card? visa. Is that the... um, it's you have to get married within a certain amount of time. It's a special fiance thing. 
And a lot of times people haven't been together for very much time at all. So it's like the 90 days they mean to get married. Sometimes they don't. Then but- follow your instinct here. Yes. Follow your instinct. Yes. <laughs> um, 90 days the other way is Americans who are going over to other places on a fiance oh, visa. To get the fuck out of here. Sure. Uh, yeah. Why not? Yeah. The first season, I've only watched the first season of that and it is a mess. 90 days the other way i can't i can't imagine the other way wow yeah because also filming you know in those other countries has got to be tricky for the crew members as well oh yeah i've been oh my favorite so far has been below deck on bravo oh i haven't seen that one Oh, it's great. Captain Sandy, she's a lesbian. She is everything. I mean, she runs this motor yacht. I'm just like, yes, ma'am. Like, <laughs> it is so inspiring just to see, like, this, like, woman just taking charge of this huge ship um, in, a, in, a, in a male-dominated industry. And so it's really cool. I love that show. Nice. Um, it's kind of like... Down Abbey minus the royalty on a boat. <laughs> nice. So it's Titanic, the first half. <laughs> right. Minus the crash. Praying that it never happens. <laughs> Titanic, but way gayer. Titanic Jr. <laughs> Titanic Jr. Oh my God. I'm de- I can't. Titanic Jr. Okay. I wish. The non sinkable <laughs> edition. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I see oh you pulled God, up our lightning round here. Yeah. Well, I just want to be mindful of your time and we've been talking for an oh hour. Oh my God. You can ask me anything. You have me Wonderful. for as long as you want. I am having so much fun. You can ask me anything. Hooray. Um, so okay. we have a, we have a short list. This isn't the, the longer list. This is definitely the short list um, of things that we ask people. Uh, and one of my favorite questions is always, if you will tell us about your first crush. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. So like in real life or on TV? Oh, we'll take both. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. All right. So first crush in real life was a boy named Michael Capelli. I'll never, I'll never forget. Um, I was playing softball at the time. Shocker. (laughs) Um, It was the catcher. Those early seeds. (laughs) Right. Who knew I was a lesbian except for every other lesbian that was playing softball with me. Everyone else. Um, so but um yeah he was our umpire and uh I just I thought he was adorable I just I don't know I did I think I think it was because he was shy and he was quiet and like I was like oh that's kind of sweet and endearing and I asked him to uh oh god so painful I asked him to our church dance no (laughs) oh no and and no no it was just, it was a rejection and it was fine and thank god it was a rejection because let's face it i didn't end up with the ump i ended up with the players with the pitcher hey, hey! <laughs> <laughs> now, um that whole yeah, basketball team had their eyes on you i'm sure what the whole basketball team had their eyes on you i'm sure oh my gosh i was i was just watching the olympics watching like i was like trying to watch the female softball game and i'm like 
focus, focus, focus. And it was very difficult. Um, but yeah, he was my first crush in person, uh, like in like real life. Um, I'd say on TV, hmm, I think there was something about Angelina Jolie in Girl Interrupted. Oh sure, there there was everything about Angelina Jolie. <laughs> that me go like, uh, wow. That movie specifically, though, because I feel like everyone yeah. has an advanced girl come into their lives, oh. and they're they're like, like they got the way they got. he just like turned the chair around and like sat down and just mm-hmm. like honed it. I was like. <laughs> I will answer yeah. any questions. You yeah. Have. You know. <laughs> she speaks, even, and even just as like a beautiful femme presenting, heteronormative as far as the world can see, individual, she's so much more appealing to women than she is to men. And she has yeah. to be. Oh. Um, yeah. I, I also, I, yeah, there's, there's, you know, and now, of course, as time has gone on, you know, the crushes, there's just more and more beautiful people yeah bless them um how about a time that you um really either you shot your shot real hard it can be young or old I'm gonna open the gates on this you shot your shot or a time that you wish like crazy you could go back in time and shoot your shot because you were the shit the one that got away yeah I was the one that got away, or uh, the, per- the person they, that the person that you okay. would have shot yourself. Um, there was one time, the first time that I remember seeing the first girl that I was like ever really into in public. Like the first, like this was the first. Like I had seen movies and TV, and I was like, "Oh, she's pretty," or "She's," but I never really like was like super sexually charged by movies or tv like I'm like an in-person type person you know and um I walked into a bar into the city with my best friend it was a gay bar and there was this lesbian there with short hair and she had her sleeves cuffed up and she had tattoos and she just looked at me and I looked at her and I'm just like oh yeah (laughs) yeah Yep, I think I might be gay. And I remember like that was like the first thought. I was like, are you gay? Are you gay? Oh my gosh, you should talk to her. No. And like I was having like this internal conversation and my best friend's pulling my hand, like, let's go to the back because that's where all the boys were. And he was like, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, and I really to this day wish that I would have shot my shot with her. Just, Just for like, because I'm like, maybe I would have came out a little sooner. I mean, not that I'm yeah, mad that I came out when I did, but I'm like, maybe, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I wish I would have had that little bit of courage. I've never been uh, super good at approaching people. Like, I'm really good at talking to people because kind of what I do for a living, <laughs> but like people never know when I'm flirting. I'm like, no, I'm flirting with you. <laughs> I do feel like this might be a lesbian problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, yes, I'm nice. I'm being nice, but I'm also heavily flirting with you. <laughs> Can you feel it? Can you feel it? You know? 
I think the trick is to walk up to somebody and you go like this and you make honking noises. I think that's what you do, right? Oh yeah, the dudes have been right all along. (laughs) Yeah, the dudes. Yeah, exactly. Oh gosh, yeah, they they got it right. Absolutely. (laughs) Follow the fellas. I mean, I love them dearly. Most of them, my brother and father included, mostly just them. But, um, you know, but I mean, we know. (laughs) By the way, if you are ever looking for the opportunity to be in like a very, uh, a very gay female space, Lillian has gone to two, one of the two, like last remaining lesbian bars in New York. Oh, like uh, Cubbyhole and something else. Oh yeah, I've been to the good old cubby hole. Yes. Um Henrietta's is the other one. Yeah, I know. I've been there too. You said it was pure and beautiful. <laughs> Not Henrietta's. Uh, uh cubby hole for yeah. sure. Yeah, I was about that to was say cubby hole is yeah. Yeah. Henrietta's I, there's one. not a lot that's pure about Henrietta's, but yeah. Um cubby hole, yeah, is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Cash only though, so make sure you bring cash. Yeah, I feel like that whole area, I think Julius might take credit cards, but that whole area is really like where is it? <laughs> Marie's crisis. Um it's it's that weird part of the village where 12th and 4th Street cross each other. Oh, by way we're talking about. Yeah, we're yeah. like by the Jane and stuff like that. Yes, yes. Yeah, and it we're black the- because it's all cobblestones, dude. Right, right. You are at the end of the night. Oh God. It is the part of it is the part of the village that when I moved up here, I thought I wanted to live there, but I got lost there so many times. Oh no. And this was before cell phones with like a compass on them. So I would just be like, doot, doot, doot. Where am I? And I felt there was a, a Seinfeld episode where Fre- where Kramer gets lost down in the village and he's like, I don't know, all the streets have names. There's not any like boulevards. <laughs> it's true. It's, I've lived I grew up in New York and I know. I have no idea where I'm going ever. <laughs> it's near a place called Fiddlesticks, and that should not be a landmark, but that is my <laughs> landmark for that part of town. Nice. Hey, are you kidding? There, I use Sparrow Pizza to know that I'm near Madison Square Garden. I'm oh like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, for me, it's um, Mustang Harry's, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. There's two of them. There's Sally's one. and... yeah. And Harry, Why that's the two dude? Mustang things on I mean, that same block. You can find whatever food you want on 7th Ave. That's true. Whatever food you could possibly want. Unbelievable. I don't know how that's true because mm. it's like just irritated people going to and from Penn Station. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody just wants to go to Starbucks. So I yes. don't know. God, not for nothing, but when you mentioned Herald Square, Lillian and I used to work retail at the Lush there. That's where we met. That's where, that's how we met a million years ago. Uh, and, and I mean, it just, it's this perfect, bizarre little pocket of New York where everything is always crazy all it the is, time. It is, yeah. wow. It is yeah, wow. Fun little areas. Yeah. You get Penn Station nonsense. You get a path train nonsense. You get... Uh, you get Macy's nonsense. Mm-hmm. You oh. get, I mean, you get yeah. Sbarro close by. <laughs> For a second, we had a Tim Hortons across the street. Oh, we did. Oh my! But right. it was First of all, my favorite coffee in the entire world. Really? It's my favorite thing in the entire world. <laughs> there, I, where do you find it regularly? 
and now out here in California, nowhere, but um, it's Canadian. Yes. And when we were filming Hairspray, that's all we lived off of. Oh. I mean, it was everything. They're, even their sandwiches, so good. Mm. So good. Mm. <laughs> Memory. Memory. Let me some Timbits. I feel right? like they took over New York for a while. Like yeah. they really jumped in and invested. Yeah, for like a year. And then it was like, <laughs> right. Yeah. And I was like, wait, it's where's my ice cap? The poor, beautiful, sweet Canadian managers that they sent down here to run things oh, were getting eaten no. alive. Like I was actually, I was actively watching it happen every time I went in there. They would be like, oh no, but here's how you do it. And here's blah, 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 blah. And then people were like, I don't fucking care. That's how I make coffee. (laughs) It was like, it was like fully, fully 40 year old Canadian people trying to talk to like 14 year old New York kids. And they were not having it at all. God, no, that's amazing and awful. I mean, I guess 15 for a work permit or whatever, but anyway, (laughs) it was very funny. I can't imagine there was probably a mutiny. Oh shit. Wow. We single-handedly took them down. It was actually kind of nice during uh, COVID when there was nobody in Midtown. I mean, it was weird and very creepy. And Broadway, the Broadway area is still really weird to walk through because some of the restaurants haven't opened back up again because there isn't, there's no reason. Like, anyway, Um, but yeah, I will never, I will never forget the energy and smell. (laughs) yep that's new york for you i I mean yeah it's definitely new york for you um it's got an energy and it's got a smell oh god wait here's 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 the worst one though right Uh 41st street walking from 8th avenue to 7th no 8th avenue and you oh, pass no. by the Red Lobster exhaust vent <laughs> outside. Yeah, I have done I, it, this? and it's wrong and rough. Uh, I'll hold my breath. Like oh, the first God. time, I was like, "Is someone dying?" <laughs> but inside of the mouth of a dragon, because <laughs> it yes, it's hot it's and it blows in your you. face. It gets in your hair. Wow. It, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> what else do you want? Oh, Ooh, memorable birthday story. Oh yeah. Do you have any birthday stories that pop out? I do. Uh, my 18th birthday was on the set of hairspray. Oh, so, so special. Oh, it that's was, so cool. was pretty special. Um they threw me a huge surprise party. I have no idea. It was really, really good. The whole cast was there and, and it was really amazing. Um, other birthdays. I like, I like quiet birthdays with my family and friends. Um, I love a good birthday at the Outback. I love the yes. Outback. So <laughs> bring it on. Um, yeah. And my mom, my mom threw me an epic 21st, which I will not go into detail, but it was epic. Understood. That's one, amazing. One detail, two details, tiny, tiny ones. Um, I mean, there was I mean, a the lot, way- of dollar, lot of dollar bills involved. Uh, oh, way to go, mom. Yeah. Yes. My mom, my mom, she is a cool mom. She's a cool <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> But she didn't know I was gay at the time. So it was male strippers. So, you know. I, yeah. <laughs> but it was still fun. It was a blast. 
Not not unfun. <laughs> not unfun. The tequila was flowing. Especially because you know what those clubs are full of. Women. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Um. <laughs> I mean, no. maybe wrong tree, but still. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. We had, we had a great time. That's great. I love that. Yay. Um, and then I guess... Uh, maybe just like um was there a a non-parent like was there a favorite teacher you talked about your your music coach but was there like a favorite non-performing theater or sorry teacher that really made an impact on you I mean other than like I said Dr. Levy she was the one that made the most impact on me but I will say my high school principal um, my high school principal, Steve Goldberg, I will shout him out. I love that man. He, uh, I went to an alternative school called the village school in great neck, New York. Um, and it's where basically it's 50 kids in the whole school. You have to get accepted. It's very individualized program based on what you want to do you know, after you get out of school and they knew that I wanted to do theater and, and music and sing. He, my principal walked around with a guitar strumming in between class. We would rec- we had a recording studio in the school. Oh. He would like pull me out of class and be like, want to record? Like we would, what we had earth? the best time. He, he encouraged me so much. I mean, to the point where I was studying so hard and doing my hairspray auditions. Like they were letting me like go audition for hairspray while I was in class. And then once I got it, I got the movie. Um, I had worked really hard and I graduated six months early so that when I got the movie, I was free to go. Amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. That's incredible. He is somebody that I, I mean, I look back now and I'm like, wow, just to have a principal. And I mean, the whole staff at that school, Anita, Steve, uh, Jeff, um, Sue was my favorite English teacher. Like she was just the sweetest. Ronnie, my math teacher who tried endlessly, but it just never Um, you know, there were just so many special teachers in that school. And if it wasn't for that school, the village school, I definitely, I, I, I can say that I probably, I would have followed my dreams, but they made me, they were like the support system of like, I would go from my home where I had an amazing support system to a school where I had teachers now telling me I can do this and you know believing in me so it was it was high school was some of the best years of my life that's enormous Uh, that's that's incredible and that speaks so much to the power of support and not for nothing I mean we we have so much to talk about because we lead nuanced self-possessed lives in the arts and 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 as queer people and as women. And I think there's something really miraculous about, you know, as we occupy fat bodies, like at 17, 
think about where so many of us are at 17. Like in at 17, I was fully deep in my ED and self-loathing. For you to at 17 have had the support that you had, I'm presuming to help foster a confidence that then allowed you to be one of the only plus size icons that we had ever seen. And like Tracy is still such a, sadly not enough has been done in the meantime, but Tracy is still has been from the eighties to now such a remarkable role where this is a woman who, this is a girl who, who has no negative opinion of her body at all. And it's not really enforced back at her. Like she still gets the guy. She gets the job. She dances her heart out. She, she enacts racial change. Like um, all of that, all of that takes a confidence in yourself that, um, that is, that's hard to access for people in fat bodies at any age, but especially at 17. What was it like for you to have the freedom to tell that story at an age where it's so easy for us to get um, bogged down, bogged down. Yeah. Mired in that, in societies. Growing up uh, in the beginning of elementary school, I went to Catholic school. I remember hating the uniforms because I was the only plus size girl in those uniforms and all the other girls would look cute and the little knee highs and they'd roll their skirts up so the boys could, you know <laughs> you know and it just I was just so perpetually uncomfortable and I hated that uniform but I didn't hate my body and that was because my family never see my grandmother was thin my grandmother was a thin woman she never made me feel ostracized or weird because I was plus size. My mom is a plus size woman. And while she has, of course, both of them as women, health, all of that, and have, you know, talked about that. And we've had those discussions. They've never made me feel bad about who I am. They've praised me for who I am my body, you know, they, you know, I think they taught me early on that, yes, your body is yours and it's your temple and take care of it, but there's so much more to your body than just your physical appearance. That's going to go away someday. That's going to be very God knows where, whatever. It's the emotional and the impact that you leave here on this earth with the work and the words and the love and the kindness that you put out into the world. So that there's so much more in my body. Yes, I have a physical body. It's a plus size body. I embrace it. I love it. I'm four foot 10. That's never changing. Like, and I'm not about to start wearing heels again. Cause no. Um, and oh, unless, yeah. it's for a role, unless it's for a role, like that was another boundary. Speaking of boundaries, that was another boundary that I, I used to wear like these seven inch heels on red carpets and I'd be in pain. Oh. 
And I was like afraid to say no. And after I came out, I was like, guess who's never wearing heels on a red carpet? Oh yeah. Guess who, this girl. I mean, unless it's like a spectacular gown and it's a SAG Awards, of course. Right. But other than that, like, <laughs> you know, it is. But I, I think it's about, you know, just owning who you are and realizing that there's more to life than your physical being. And what you say matters and what you do matters and how you act matters, how you treat other people matters. Those are the things that you're going to be remembered for once you're long and gone. Because guess what? We're all going to go. I hate to break it to you, but Mm. we're all not going to be here forever. So while we're here, do good work, put out good energy and just treat. I always go back to what my grandmother said, treat people the way you want to be treated. It's that simple. Do you have any books or, or movies or TV shows or podcasts that you would like to recommend? Anything that has been warming your heart or tickling your brains? Um, nothing that's really coming to mind um, right now. I mean, other than your podcast, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, (laughs) clearly, um, but, uh, I, you know, my therapy is music. I turn to, to music whenever I need to just like feel something music right away. So right now I can tell you who I'm listening to, I'm listening to a ton, a ton of LP. Their voice rather is just absolutely transcendent and mind-blowing and um yeah i just who is lp lp the the letters lp lp yeah that uh, them and melissa etheridge man get me through you know and then every once in a while i will tell you my guilty pleasure that my roommates hear more often than not (laughs) and i will leave you with this is spice up your life and wannabe Oh my God. I brush my teeth in the morning and I'm like, if you want to be mother, <laughs> and I'm like, they, they thought they got me. Or else they, they think yeah. I was committable. Like, but I I'm, love that. I'm just hanging up there having a blast. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, Nikki, it is truly such a joy to have you with us. Thank you so much. We, adore you we're so so grateful to spend this time with you fuck buddies please check nikki out at her podcast nikki nights let's all keep our eyes peeled for whatever this uh delightful delicious dramatic action film coming out in the next (laughs) six months hopefully hopefully Um Yes, and you can, for all updates on that, you can follow me on Instagram, Nikki Blonsky. And then, of course, if you want to see me make a fool out of myself, go over to TikTok. And I'm um, the real Nikki Blonsky, and those are super fun. You're on the TikTok. Do you ever cross-post? Do you ever do reels? Uh, No, I've never tried it. I've heard about it, though. I I have to give it a go. I don't have TikTok. <laughs> I, I have TikTok, but I've never created anything on it. I have, I've mostly follow cats and my, my friend fruit on the bottom. Oh yeah. Fair. Um, I, uh, I feel like I should have figured this out by now, but 
I mean, I'll definitely check you out and creep on your. It's so fun. You click like what you're interested in or like what applies to you. And I didn't realize, you know, that there's an algorithm. And when you click like what applies to you, those are the videos that come up on your for you page. So for me, it was like, oh, videos of dogs and like cooking videos. And I'm like, oh my God, all stuff that I love. And then like, these gorgeous like lesbians playing like rugby and I was like how did you know (laughs) I was like something something somebody knows something but no it's it's an algorithm and it's but it's a really fun um it's a really fun app and I don't know I that's 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 actually where it came out was on TikTok I did it Anna Ross's I'm coming out so you know, you can find me there. And of course, Nikki Knights. I'm always just having a blast over there talking to amazing people like you. I am so glad we're friends. This Thank, is... you. Thank you for having me, ladies. It was a joy. Thank you so much, Nikki. Hey, well, send me love. You too. We'll talk Hold soon. Hold it down in my home city for me. You know it. We're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> 